Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. I am Andrew Alex, joined today by just Doug Bowman. How you doing? I'm good, you know, biggest biggest week of the year, and just me here? Yeah. Well, and Evan just kind of bail on game preview podcast? Luckily, if I had to pick one of you three to be the standalone for a game preview, especially against the likes of Old Dominion, it would be a very clear choice as you are the one that actually goes out of your way to do research on this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate I've made it that far. So how does your fiance feel about the amount of time allotted to Old Dominion game film over the course of the last week? Uh, you know, I try and try and work around, you know, her schedule, I would say. But, uh, you know, I think it's a normal amount. Nothing crazy. So the first the first game of the year is easier because there's no really point in going back and watching a game from, you know, November of last year. That's fair. It's That's in fair. like it's in like four weeks when you have four weeks, four games to watch that it gets a little. Duly noted. Nutty. <laughs> duly noted. All of Doug's Old Dominion research was done on company time rather than his girlfriend's time. Or I, I will not commit publicly to that. It's fair. I understand why. <laughs> so, Doug, though, I mean, obviously, like Old Dominion provides its own challenges in trying to figure it out. But there's plenty of macros here. And obviously, we're looking at varying degrees of unknowns, which will be maybe not solved. Because if Brent Price is smart, then combined with an ideal situation where Virginia Tech isn't in a complete dogfight, you kind of hold some stuff back. But we're going to learn a lot. And. And surprises are are due to happen. We, we already kind of saw that with the release of the depth chart, where you have a number of guys who, as we've been previewing this team, weren't necessarily considered all summer long, and even back into the spring, to be really major contenders pl- for playing time at all. And now they're listed as rotational starters at a minimum or key backups for one. Jaden Keller, Jaden McDonald, Alan Tisdale, all on the same level there, Doug. What are your thoughts? This is probably the most surprising of them all, right? Keller, not surprising. Jaden McDonald get in there. And if you want to, I mean, I guess that's alphabetically they did that with McDonald in the two hole ahead of Tisdale. But I mean, that's, that was, that was the position that we were kind of all circling her with a, with a Keller Tisdale battle. Um, all through camp without even even thinking about Jaden McDonald even. So that's an interesting one. I'm not quite sure how you play three will linebackers. Um, you know, you're talking 65 snaps, 70 snaps in a game. Everybody's getting about 20, 25 snaps. Um, it's an interesting rotational position, I would say. We've, you know, we've been used to, particularly with Bud Foster, just rotating linebackers under Bud Foster was not a thing that happened. You know, I don't even think looking at what Brent Pry did at uh, Penn State that he rotated. It's more of a, especially linebacker positions, more of a kind of ride your horse until, you know, <laughs> until his eligibility is up kind of, kind of deal. So that'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how Keller and McDonald fit into that rotation and, and who's, you know, who's truly the, higher ceiling or better better player we've talked about keller 
you know, all along ever since last year, he was impressive. But, you know, you look at what Jaden McDonald has done. He's the same year as Jaden Ke- as Jaden Keller and, J- you know, about the same size. He's put on 20 pounds since he re- since he got to Blacksburg. So he's a, you know, his name immediately jumps off the chart as like somebody, somebody to keep an eye on all of a sudden in terms of like where he's going to fit within this Virginia Tech defense and in and, and the future. It's good to see the young guys getting some looks because obviously in a rebuilding project, if these young guys are emerging as guys that could potentially play now, you know, we talk about the leadership that guys like Jamari Connor and, and Dax Hollyfield bring to the table. Well, you know, you need to build that going forward. And if Jaden Keller can be that guy, that is a, a positive sign for Virginia Tech. And if McDonald, either or, can see the field this year and make an impact, you know, that's only going to help the Hokies going forward where – you know, you hope that two, three years down the line, maybe we're closer to a position where, you know, getting to a 10-win season is a possibility. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that, but 10-win season's not going to happen this year. So Dex Hollyfield and Jamari Connor aren't going to be a part of that. You need to build towards the future. That's what bringing out a new coach is all about. And seeing these young guys emerge is, uh, you know, is a positive revelation for the Hokies. It seems like they're going to play a decent amount both Keller and McDonald, I, I wouldn't expect both of them to stick at the same position for the entirety of their careers or to stick in Blacksburg. They're, one of them is going to have to move a position or transfer, basically. That's just the way it is in college football this year or, or right now. And redshirt freshman, redshirt freshman, they'll spend this year kind of go, going toe-to-toe. And then I think that's on the coaching staff from that point to figure out you know who, who's the guy going forward? What we can, what can we do with the other guy, and and then let them decide if that, you know, makes sense for what their plans are. Could either of them play in the middle? Because obviously Dax Hollyfield's not going to be here forever. I think Keller's a guy that can play in the middle. Yeah, we haven't seen McDonald at all, so <laughs> I withhold yes, judgment on that. But I, I feel like Keller. You know, I've been. If you add Kelly Lawson to the mix, this gets really young and. You know, a lot of variables of what this becomes, but a Keller, Jaden McDonald, Kelly Lawson linebacker core, something like that. I, you know, I think Kelly Lawson's probably going to end up at this will spot eventually, too, if he keeps growing. He's already 6'6", six, six, 220 or whatever. He, if he gets up to 6'6", six, six, 235, 230, I don't see him staying, staying in space at Sam, so... You know, there's a lot of variables, and I think Keller sliding inside probably alleviates alleviates some of that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Total college uh, football nerd, 40 chess right there, talking about how we're (laughs) going to prevent the kid that's never played yet from transferring by. This is the old Dominion preview, but Jaden McDonald might transfer. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful in 2023, 2024. But yeah, I mean, uh. On the other side here, you know, we talk about young guys, and one guy who's not so new to the program is Breon Murray. Breon Murray was arrested or charged with a felony or something like that. Yeah, turns out, folks, public service announcement: you got to pay your traffic violation tickets, or else they'll come after you. The feds will come after you. You're a fugitive in another state. <laughs> that being said, Jimmy Turk is on the case. This should be solved in the short run, but. <laughs> Not in the super short run, right? Because he's not going to play this week. It's already been announced by Brett Pry. That opens the door for maybe a little more DJ Harvey than we'd otherwise plan on seeing. 
you know, in this initial game, what are your expectations for him? This is a kid who wasn't the number one recruit in his recruiting class coming to Virginia Tech. So far, we haven't seen him. You know, not necessarily anything wrong with that. He was a true freshman. But now he's listed on punt return. It's listed as rotational corner. Looks like he's going to get a little more PT against ODU. You know, what do you hope to see from him? Yeah, he's a he's one of the beneficiaries of of what whatever's happening with Breon Murray. Um, I could also see Virginia Tech playing Connor in the nickel spot, Chamari Connor, um, more than they anticipated before this week. Um, but you certainly need another true corner there in that three spot at some point uh, in today's you know today's football with spread offenses and all that stuff. You just you really need three cover corners out there. Um, at least some of the time. So Harvey's going to get a chance to really step up and step into that role. You look at, uh, I think he played like just a smidge against Maryland in the pinstripe bowl. Um, but certainly highly touted recruit all the way from California gets his chance, um, gets a little bit of opportunity last season, um, clearly in the, in the future plans, I think. So he's got a big opportunity this week to kind of, you know, I, I think it was probably going to be a, strong Chapman Murray top three with Murray in the nickel as much as possible. So who knows how many snaps that'll open up and how Pry will want to, you know, deep or, or split those up. I think there's a, I think there's a scenario where he feels like um, either Nike Hawkins or Jalen Stroman are the, the next best defensive back. So the next best, defensive back lineup if you think about that it's not harvey at the nickel it's connor at the nickel with this with a different safety end so i think that'll be something to to watch um you know it comes down to are you are you comfortable with the red shirt freshman at the nickel spot or would you rather slide connor down and play you know hawkins who's a red shirt senior or, or even stroman um who played a little bit more than harvey last year so um that's 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 a I'd say that is a personnel development that probably was not expected until um, last week. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out against ODU. When you look at this Old Dominion offense, you know, we think that Virginia Tech's defense is the experienced position group. That's obvious. You have a lot of returning starters, guys that have seen the field before. Obviously, you're implementing a new scheme. And, and for Old Dominion, this was a team that offensively Finished the season strong last year. Zach Kuntz seems to be a matchup nightmare physically for just about anyone. And when Hayden Wolf took over as starting quarterback, the play improved for Old Dominion. What concerns you the most? And what would Doug Bowman prescribe as the remedy for his own concerns? You have to look at this ODU offense knowing that last year was two different seasons for them and understanding what they came off of from 2020. They did not play in 2020. They were one of the programs that just said, we're not playing in during 2020. So they started 2021, one and six. Those were the first games that they played in since, since 2019. I don't think it's surprising that they were terrible at the beginning of last year. Um, you think about, you know, Virginia Tech played 11 games in 2020. They were 11 games ahead. You know, their returning players were 11 games ahead of what ODs were um, at the beginning of last year. So once they turned it over to um, Hayden Wolf, they have three really good skill position players. You, you touched on Koontz. 
Allie Jennings, Ollie Jennings the third. He's a West Virginia transfer. Got more and more productive as the year went on. Um, and, and then there's Blake Watson, who's a running back, went, a, went for over 1,100 yards last year. I think that's – those are the concerning things is that this is an offense that kind of found its footing at the end of last year, and they returned all their big-time pieces. So in terms of a defense that is playing a new scheme for the first time ever under a new coaching staff in a road environment, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and – you just don't know what's gonna, how they're gonna perform. Whereas ODU knows exactly what to do and what to expect from Koontz and Jennings and, and Watson and and even you know Hayden Wolf last year was a redshirt freshman, first time starter. Now he's got a handful of starts under his belt. Apparently he's packed on 15 pounds of muscle. Like this is an offense that I think is probably way more comfortable than Virginia Tech is on defense. So I think. That's concerning when you can, when you can get to, to, when you can just throw it up to a six foot eight tight end who's highly productive. When you can throw the ball down the field to, to a former West Virginia wide receiver who was highly productive last year. Or, you know, worse comes to worse, you turn the hand the ball over to the guy that rushed for a thousand yards. So, um, I think the key here is going to be for Virginia Tech to, to pressure pressure and pressure just non-stop pressure um if you let wolf kind of sit back and survey the field and and you let Koontz kind of run his route and get to get to the apex of his route if you let jennings go down the field and you let all this happen on time as odu wants it but it seems like an offense that's going to be able to have some success they're going to be able to move the ball i think if you speed it up and, and you force him to say all right i'm throwing to I'm throwing to Koontz now, even though, you know, I would rather in an ideal world, I would wait until he gets to this spot on the field. Like if you speed up his decision making and force him to throw at the less than ideal time at the least, I think that's where Virginia Tech can can have success and and really rattle this offense. Um, I I don't I don't think sitting back is an option in this game. So I would expect Virginia Tech to bring one more than ODU has blockers. The, The thing about Koontz is he's a. You know, 6'8", 260-pound tight end, you would think he blocks a lot, or at least a little bit, but, you know, they ran 350-something pass plays last year, and he was running routes on 92% of them, so he's not the blocking tight end. Um, I think I think that's really where the opportunity is for Virginia Tech. Trust your corners, trust your secondary to play decent enough coverage to make just enough plays. And then get into get into Hayden Wolf's face, force him to speed up his decision making, force him to, you know, make a poor decision or throw the ball before he necessarily wants to really, really just try and keep the ODU offense out of the rhythm. You know, if you're blitzing guys, you get in Watson's way if they're just handing it to him, too. So I, I think that seems to be the most straightforward approach when you're going up against an offense with, you know, a tight end, a receiver and a running back. It's it's difficult to focus on one area. Um, so I think you focus on getting in, getting in the face of the guy that's going to be giving on the ball. You know, a lot of talk about Wolf and I, I think the first things I saw, at least online, not knowing a lot about him was Hayden Wolf's name, the starter, Virginia tech fans are like celebrating as if that's a huge victory, but old dominion, I mean, albeit against conference USA opponents played a much better with Wolf at quarterback. He was a higher rated recruit than Grant Wells out of high school. 
you know, is this a quarterback that could play at the Power Five level or even in the American Conference? Or is he just someone who was able to succeed given the competition that he was playing week to week? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't think he jumps off the page as a P5 guy like Wells does. Um, I'll be interested to see. They talk about how he added 15 pounds of, of muscle this offseason, all that. I'll be interesting, interested to see how he develops this year um, in terms of in, in terms of his ability. I feel like his arm, I feel like he's a his release is a little slow, which which is another reason why I think pressure in him is is probably probably the way to go. And I think FIU was terrible last year. Foot fifty six on Charlotte. I mean, you, like you said, these aren't <laughs> these aren't world beating teams by any stretch. So there's that, and, and you know, to me, he just doesn't pass the eyeball test as as well as Grant Wells did. When you know, when you when Wells said he was transferring, you look at his film and you look at his throws, and you're like, yeah, I could probably get behind that as a P five quarterback. Um, I'm not as behind on Wolf, I would say. In the trenches, right? I guess this could be our transition to the other side of the ball in the era of the transfer portal. You could have a situation where you have a Zach Coons who didn't get much playing time at Penn state. He goes to old dominion and he's producing and you have former West Virginia wide receiver Jennings going for thousand yards or whatever, but the game tends to be won and lost in the trenches regardless, which is where you see the biggest gap between the power five schools and the group of five schools. Now, we talk about the worries we have about Virginia Tech's depth in the trenches on both sides. But as of now, it seems like everyone's healthy. On paper right now, Virginia Tech should be able to dominate there. Do we have any reason to think otherwise? No, I don't think so. Um, I think Virginia Tech has a pretty good advantage. Um, looking at ODU's defensive line, three sophomores, Marcus Haynes is the redshirt senior starter defensive, and he's probably the best of the bunch. Their ends are big enough, you know, to compete, to be power five ends, 250 pounds each. Um, that's Amori Morrison. He's the sophomore, and then Haynes is the redshirt senior. Inside, I think, is where Virginia Tech probably has an edge and probably feels pretty good, especially given if you assume that the the spot they're most uncomfortable with is probably left guard with Jesse Hansen and Braylon Moore. Um, they would be going up, going up against two sophomore defensive tackles. Devin Brant Epps is the heaviest at 285 pounds. So it's not like they're, you know, Virginia Tech physically on paper, at least has, has the edge um, on the inside. And I think that's a big boost for, for Virginia Tech. Um, you know, I, I think, I think though he should be able to, like you said, provided there's no in injuries or anything like that, um, 
should be able to control the line of scrimmage. I, d- I don't have concerns about Virginia Tech's ability to move the ball in this game, I'd say. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious about what the running back rotation looks like and how effective it'll be, but I think there should be enough um, offensive line control that, you know, they should be able to to pick up yards, you know, give Wells time to throw, um, push the ball downfield, do do a lot of what they envision this Virginia Tech offense looking like. I think, you know, I think control and their ability to control the line of scrimmage is probably a big part of that. Distribution, run to pass, 60-40, 70-30, 65-35. What does Doug Bowman think in the beginning of the game? We'll assume that Virginia Tech, you know, what, what does the base offense look like? For Virginia Tech. So I looked at this. I, I'm assuming that this is going to look um, similar to Penn State, to what Penn State has looked given Pry, given um, given Tyler Bowen's time at Penn State. Um, you know, I think it'll look and feel similar to like the Trace McSorley and um, Sean Clifford offenses. I, you know, over the last four years, Penn State's averaged about 73 plays a game. 40, I think it's 40 pass plays per game, 33 run plays. They actually finish despite, you know, everybody's, everybody loves talking about the Big Ten as like this boring run it all the time, Wisconsin type offense. Um, they actually finish two thirds of their games over the last four years with more pass attempts than run attempts. So I, I think it's going to be a pretty balanced, balanced Virginia Tech attack. Um, I certainly don't see any running backs on Virginia Tech's roster that warrant just a heavy running, um, you know, difference between r- run plays and pass plays. I think it's I think it's an offense with, you know, a lot of unproven players that will be most effective in a balanced scheme. Uh, you know, I don't think Jalen Holston or Kashawn King or Chance Black is going to be effective if most defenses can can lean towards a running play is coming. So I think I think the way to success is to balance this thing out. So I'm expecting to see pretty even um, split there between the run and the pass. Jaden Blue now listed as a backup. So he, he essentially on paper has the same status as Kakavitas. Stephen Gosnell's a starter. I think we knew Lofton was going to start. Caleb Smith, your number one. How many guys do you think get into that rotation? Is Jaden Blue cast aside now? Or do you think that we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we could be looking at the stat sheet on Monday and being like, all right, he was on the field as much as God's now. Or is this a situation where he's cast aside or are just a lot of guys that are getting into the mix? This is something we we don't know is like, Lofton and Blue are the slots, right? You could maybe assume that. Does that mean Lofton or Blue never play out wide? I think that, that would be my preference for a guy like at Lofton stage. I would rather him just like master being a slot receiver before um, shifting out wide. But, you know, I could see, I could still see Smith, Lofton, and Blue being the most highly repped or get the most snaps at wide receiver. Blue was banged up for chunks of August, most of August, whatever you want to call it. So I think that might be a little bit, little bit of it. And I think, I think you'll see him kind of establish, I don't want to say establish himself, but come on and, and play a bigger, 
bigger role than like you look at the step chart and like, oh, he's a backup wide receiver now. Um, I still think those are those are the three Smith, Lofton and Blue are the three most talented wide receivers on the roster, most talented athletes at the position. I think I think that probably wins out in terms of like snap distribution, maybe in this game. I don't know if it'll happen if Kakavitsas is going to, you know, become a, you know, a 20, 30, 30, 40 play kind of guy. I don't know what to expect out of Goss now. But, you know, I, th- I just go back to like, who's, who's the best athlete? Who's the best? Who's going to make the biggest plays? Who's going to who's who, who's going to have the chance to be, you know, the guy that defense is really worried about? And I think it's Smith, Lofton and Blue. I think that's going to kind of whether it happens this game or not, I don't know. But I think that's going to hold hold for it by the end of the season. And Old Dominion defensively, you know, we talk about these wide receivers being a uh, not the most talented group. In the ACC, probably one of the less talented groups, at least on paper, going into the season. Genetech's had a long time. Do we worry about them not being able to create separation against Old Dominion, or is this the uh, is this the pass game, literally and figuratively? I think I don't. I don't. There's no shutdown corner for ODU. I wouldn't be concerned about throwing away from one cornerback or avoiding targeting, you know, Artarian Johnson is their safeties. He's probably the best player on their defense. He was a all conference USA guy last year, leading returning tackler. Um, but like, I'm not going to specifically avoid throwing his way. Trey Hawkins is their top corner, six foot three, one ninety five, So pretty good size. I don't think he's very good. Based on his PFF numbers, he's the he was the number six most targeted cornerback in all of FBS last year, uh, 85 times opposing teams through his way, which is a very very high number. I, I think the only I think the only reason you target a guy that many times over the course of the season is because you think you can complete a lot of passes on him. He gave up completion percentage. He gave up receptions on 68% of those targets, which is Again, not a good number. Um, you know, I think Jermaine Waller and Caleb Farley in 2019 were down in the 40% number for that. So, uh, you know, that, that feels like an opportunity, like to exploit, to target whoever he, he's guarding. Um, and if he's their best, you know, that does, I mean, that gives you confidence for the rest of the guys. So I, I don't, I don't foresee Virginia Tech's receivers despite the question marks being like you know completely shut down or completely shut out by by ODU secondary in the run game no Malachi Thomas this week we assume that Holston is a1 and is going to get the majority of the staffs between King and Chance Black a like who do you think sees more snaps b how are they used? Are they going to be rotating as third down swingbacks like we've seen King used in the past? And see, between the tackles, are we going to see a, a Bryce Duke or a Kenji Christian or anyone getting involved in there? You know, at least assuming the game doesn't become a blowout and the second string comes in. I think Holston's the between the tackles guy. I don't think you bring in Christian or, or Duke. If he's, if Jalen Holston's the number one tailback, he's the guy that should be doing that. Um, I don't think, you know, he's 210. I think Kenji Christian's 207 or something like 
there's no difference there. Holston's just probably better at this point of his career, so he should get those kind types of carries. King and Black are I that's I don't know if that's the number one thing to watch on offense. Grant Wells is probably that. Maybe some backup linemen. But like they've talked a big game about Kashawn King. They've talked a big game about Chance Black. I know people are very high on Black. And the coaching staff is clearly very high on King and talked about, you know, the explosiveness and the versatility and all that. My thing with those kind of backs where you're moving them all over the field and different roles in different situations is, is there a better skill position player that they're taking snaps from? I would say probably, probably not at this point looking at the wide receiver depth chart. So I I would expect them to play a, a healthy amount. King probably leads the way versus black in terms of snaps, but you know, I think they're both guys that, you know, if you look at the rest of the guys on the depth chart, there's no, you need as much explosiveness as possible. I think both of those guys bring that to the table. So they need to be on the field as much as possible. Holston, we know the story with him. If he's not as explosive with as those guys, I don't know that he, he adds much value here. Um, to this offense as a whole. And you think about when you think about who's going to make up the skill position, the five skill position, the five eligible receivers, basically on any play like this offense needs home run threats. They need guys that can rip off chunks of yardage. Um, at this point, we don't, from what we've seen, Holston's not that guy King and black apparently sound like those guys. So I think they should get the lion's share of the reps and, and see where it goes from there. All right, Doug, let's get into the nitty-gritty here. How do you think this game's going to go? How do you envision it? I think it's going to be a tight one. Um, I think I would, if I was taking over a brand-new program with a brand-new offense with players that are largely unproven and have not contributed before, I would not want to play a road game at a school that will treat it like it's Super Bowl. Um, I think that's a tough environment for a first game under a new coaching staff when for the last nine months you've been learning and adjusting to a new coaching style and you've not faced adversity like you will face when another team is lining up to beat you. You know, it's just different than practice. It's different than scrimmaging your own guys. Um, so, so I think, I think the start of this game is huge. The first quarter. Um, even the first couple possessions is is getting off to a good start, um, establishing yourself if you're Virginia Tech, establishing yourself as the better program, as the P5 program, and not not letting ODU uh, kind of believe and, and get involved in the game and that kind of stuff. I think that's key because I, I, we don't know how this team is going to respond to to being down ten nothing or to be to you know, ODU, you know, tying the game at seven, 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 and then forcing a three and out to get the ball back. Um, we don't, we don't know how this team is going to respond to if the game plan, you know, that's another storyline, Ricky Ronnie, Brent prize familiarity. We don't know what happens if tech doesn't score on the first two possessions. Um, and they've, now they've got to adjust the game plan on the fly in the first quarter or something like that. So a lot of uncertainty. I think it's going to be a tight one. I, you know, I talked about, you know, I Koontz, Jennings, and Watson is a pretty good triumvirate of skill position players. I think Virginia Tech would like to have each one of them. Um, so I, I see it tight. I see 
but but I but I also talked about that offensive line advantage and and defensively I don't think ODU holds up. Um, so I I think it'll you know if you're looking for a game over by halftime on Friday night probably not going to happen I don't think. Um, you know I, I, do I spoil my prediction now? Is that what you're asking me for? Do it. I think it's going to be like 31 to 23 Virginia Tech. Um, not not a blowout win by any stretch. I think you'll feel a lot better about the offense than you do the defense. Yeah, I think uh, I, I kind of liken it to Middle Tennessee last year. Yeah, where I feel like the first half is going to be a dogfight. I think Virginia Tech will pull away in the second half, maybe not as much as they pulled away against middle Tennessee. But again, this is a team that's like learning on the fly. Like every experience is their first experience together. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be at like, least offensively. And, and, and you know what happens if they punch you in the mouth? I don't know. The best thing Virginia tech can do is come out the gate hot, which yeah. is unfortunately what they seem to be least equipped to do, just given the circumstances that surround it. But if you can take, you know, assert yourself as the power five team take the old dominion crowd out of it and yeah. you give the old dominion players that sense of inferiority that you know, they should have when they face the premier power five college football program in the state. Yeah. That's how this could get out of hand in Virginia tech's favor. But you listed all the scenarios to the contrary, or this could be a stomach ache. So <laughs> I go with, I think I had Virginia Tech 28, Old Dominion 17. Yeah. You know, the numbers don't mean anything. I just feel like it'll be close in the beginning. I think the line is seven point. and a half. Yeah. I think I saw. So I, I got the cover, but yeah. that line has been moving towards Old Dominion since it came out at like 10 and a half when it opened. Yeah. So that feels right. I mean, seven and a half. I picked an eight point, so that's good. I'm right on it. Uh, yeah, no, you're right there. <laughs> but yeah, it feels like it we feels just like, we just don't know what we don't know, man. So I mean, who knows? It could be a, it could be a blowout in Virginia Tech's favor. I mean, could be if if it loss. is, then this was all reverse psychology and all planned and just Try to get the players' heads. Yeah, you know they were listening to this yeah. before the game for Brett sure. Fry playing yeah. team meetings. Doug Bowman doesn't believe in you. Yeah, they're gonna get on that. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of the airline they use? Now they they don't use Miami Air anymore. It's like Sunshine Air or something like that. Get on that flight to Norfolk, listening to our stuff. When they post the pictures of the guys walking into the stadium with their headphones on, we know what they're listening to now. <laughs> exactly. Sweet sound of Doug Bowman's voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me talking about how they're gonna get punched in the mouth by Hoodie. What was your What was your season record prediction? I forget. Seven and five. I was I was six and six. Yeah, it's right. I mean, it's a, it's. This is a, this is a game where like, all right, so big Virginia Tech win. <laughs> Expectations are going north immediately. <laughs> I know. Um, big Virginia Tech loss. Expectations are going are plummeting immediately. Close win, close loss. Like probably staying about the same. Um, probably like yeah, I could I could see and, that happening. And the reality is I could. That in a season like this, it's probably not very smart to read into the results of this game all that much either way. Like, I mean, if Old Dominion smoked Virginia Tech, 
That's one thing. But Virginia Tech could smoke Old Dominion. Old Dominion is not very good. Yeah. Like, it's a close game, but they could improve over time. And that's with a win or a loss. Right. And, like, and I, that's the anticipation is that barring injuries, this team will be better in November than they will be in September. I given, think that's the only thing that really matters this year. Yeah. Tech's not an ACC contender. Not going to no. win 10 games. Does anybody really care about bowls? Like, great. You want to go back to the pinstripe bowl? If it Tech is, is five and seven and finishes four and one and looks way better, then that's great. I mean, you know, but that's the difference, right? I mean, before we wrap this up, you know, you go six and six last year when expectations were higher than that, I guess. Two years ago, you go five and six when the team was clearly better than that. Yeah. It's a, such a, I mean, COVID season is a COVID season, but the record was a disgrace for the level of talent they had. They yes. were Nebraska before Nebraska. I knew we weren't going to get out of this without talking about Cornhusker football. By the way, it's tough. <laughs> poor, Scott, poor Scott Frost. Um, last thing I want to say about this ODU game. Before, if you want to talk more about Nebraska football. No, it's all good. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, Scott Frost, I'm just saying, is making Justin Fuente look good. <laughs> he, he might not make it out of September. Uh, he loses to Oklahoma. He's done. He, uh, yeah, Oklahoma probably beat him by five touchdowns, and that'll be that. Um, but I was going to say, like, this is a game from a uh, taking off the guy that just wrote a game preview like trying to figure out this game, putting on my Virginia Tech fan hat here. This is a game. Just get a win. Just figure it out. Get out of there as ugly as it takes. Because going into Brent Pry's first home game at 8 o'clock next week against Boston College at 1-0 is way different than 0-1. Um, puts huge expectations on that game. And if you get out of that game, then you're staring three and zero in the face against West Virginia on Thursday night two weeks later. So like this is like this is kind of like uh, don't care how it happens, get a win, get a win next week. Same thing could look as ugly as possible, but you know by you're, you're by, totally by, right, by the time but if but if they can get to Thursday night at three and zero against West Virginia like. They might get. They might still go 0 and 4 in October, and it'll be the longest month of like the last 35 years of Virginia Tech football. But at least he got that Thursday night in September at 3 and 0. You know, that's the little things that you that you look for. Is it, I mean, that's like you know, 20 what was it, 2017, 2018 when Tech hosted Clemson and Notre Dame big time Saturday night football games. Tech didn't really turn out to be a contender, but the build-up to that and the excitement for that and all that, you know, that's part of what being a college football fan is all about, and that's what you want. And Figure out a way to get it done this week sets that up next week, and figuring out how to get it done next week really sets that up for that Thursday night against uh, West Virginia. Yeah, and it's partially just unfair to Brett Pry, right? You mentioned everything there, and, you know, a close win. Brett Pry's 1-0. The era of good feelings is back. We set up a big game against Boston College where, I mean, depending on how the game goes, you might have varying expectations, but people will still show up. But to start your 
career as head coach by emulating the low point <laughs> of your predecessor, who everyone hated, is not ideal. Here's a question. Uh, Pry has talked a little bit about how he wishes they weren't playing this series so he could, you know, actually be friends with Ricky Ronnie a little bit. If Tech loses at ODU again, do you think they pull the plug on the series? You think that you think Pry's like, no, pull the plug. We'll pay whatever it costs to get out of the series. I, I would have pulled the plug. Like, Four. I think it'll cost four million to get out of the rest of the years. It's like five hundred thousand dollars per game. Do it. Another. He's like, no. Hopefully, done. hopefully we don't need to worry about. That. Yeah. It's just. I mean, if you're Brent Pry, like you're like, I got handed a ten-year series against Old Dominion, coached by one of my buddies that I can no longer talk to about anything that's happening substantially in our programs for the next decade, and we're gonna go lose there probably for no reason. <laughs> Pay the four mil and let's go. <laughs> not ideal, Doug. It's not ideal, but we'll see how it goes. What are your plans for the game? Are you going? Are you going to watch it on TV? No, uh, we'll be, we'll be in Richmond for it. Didn't want to compete with. You know, it's just hard to get a seat decent price when uh, there's a third of the number of seats than in Blacksburg. So, um, no, we'll be in Richmond watching it. Um, but, but I do like starting – the season on Friday night or Thursday night or non Saturday night, non Saturday. It's nice to, nice to get the game out of the way and then strap in for a full Saturday without, you know, without Virginia tech. I don't want to say get, get in the way. Yeah. Without your own personal demons, uh, whatever they may be, but should be yeah. a good weekend. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Uh, for anyone who cares, Graham street pub and patio in Charlotte. Uh-oh. Oh, go probably see him. Got red hair. <laughs> probably wearing this white Nike hat. Are we sponsored by Graham Street Pub now? I could try. That's up to Evan G. Watkins, though. He's not even here. But regardless, we'll recap the game afterwards. Doug, any last words to the folks at home? I think we're all set. BT Scoop, 247 Sports, inside the tunnel. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game. It's football season, baby. As always, go Hokies.